Hey guys, welcome to the Youth Fitness Podcast. Topics on youth fitness with a focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin Family, the developers of the Brand X Method, and the Athlete Coach Network. Youth need great coaches now more than ever. Brand X has dedicated themselves to doing what is best for kids for over two decades and now offers mentoring, education, programming, and resources in one smart package to empower coaches to efficiently deliver world-class youth programs. Check out their plug and play options and join the Brand X family today. You plus Brand X equals youth program success. We're here for another Youth Fitness Podcast, a U18, and today we're going to talk about the build phase of our base build boost model. So base build boost, I think the thing we want to start with is the understanding that all kids have to go through base build and boost. They have to start. when they come into your gym or how old, right? Right. They all have to start at base. And in base, what the kids are learning, like we talked about last time, is they're learning the rules to control their own body in space. They have to learn those rules before we can build on those rules. So in build, we're going to use the lessons learned in base and begin to build good movement. There's a lot of lot there. It sounds so simple. But, and then we're trying to make it as simple to remember as possible, right. obviously. So it's, it's, you know, in base, we taught them those rules. In build... I like to think of this as this is where we're testing to see if they understand how to use those rules while they're experimenting and working on movement. Can we talk so, about that word testing? Yeah, and, please, let's talk how, about it. How it means different things. We're not talking about testing as in we're holding a pencil and a, and a clipboard and checking boxes on can they do this or that. What we mean really is we're challenging them to solve for themselves movement problems. And then we're guiding them so that they self-correct. We want them to experience errorless, errorless <laughs> learning, but through their own experimentation. That's exactly right. Testing doesn't mean, hey, you passed or, or, or failed. It means testing in the sense of, like you talked about it, like removing the goalposts. Like, here's the goalpost. Here's a challenge. Let's see if you can accomplish this. Awesome. What did you learn from that? What can we apply? What can we make uh, better? So what we're always looking for is, can they take the lessons they learned, apply it to a new situation, and learn to, be, to, to move effectively and efficiently, obviously safely, in this new situation? We found, especially with young children, and this applies to a lot with young children, but particularly with fitness and movement, that exploration... And experimentation is going to give them the best long-term solutions. So we don't always want to give them do this exact thing and then do this exact thing and then follow up with this exact thing. We really need to give them a lot of space, especially with the lack of play in today's society, to explore and experiment themselves with their own ideas about how to solve a problem. And that, that we could do two days worth of talking on that. And one of the, just kind of to give you a visual, if you've seen our workout, it can be a game, it can be a workout, it can be a drill. 
bear crawl box wall where we divide the, the space with uh, jump boxes end to end. And we ask the kids to get to, get over, and get to the other side, basically as one rep of bear crawl box wall. Now that can happen in multiple ways. It could be every minute on the minute. It could be a continuous thing where they're tagging the lines on either side. But the, the key there is that we let those kids explore and experiment on how to create movement solutions to get over that. And then we guide them. We, we might use the word correct them, but really what we want to do is, is guide them to the answer by saying, wow, look at all the ways you guys figured out to get over that. So sometimes we'll tell them bear crawl, get over anyway. Sometimes we'll tell them get to it anyway and get over it anyway. But we're going to talk about the variety of solutions that came out of that. And they all know, because they're watching each other as they do this, who had the best solution. And then we're going to talk about it and they're going to learn from that. Oh, I saw so-and-so do this and that worked. And and then so-and-so did that and that worked faster. And then that one seemed more efficient or that one seemed like it took less effort. All that learning is stuff we can't replace by just saying it to them. We really want them to experience it and test it themselves. So that's such such a great point. In the, so in base, we taught them movement skills, which were those rules for moving well within the movement patterns and and rules. Some of of those movement skills are global rules for movement. Global strategies. Global strategies for movement. And then we introduced them to tier one movements, which were, you know, can be slowed down and done tempo style. In build, we want to expand the competency in those six primal movement patterns. So like if you're thinking about the squat pattern, they've been introduced to maybe block squat, box squat, and and uh, maybe goblet squat when they come into the build phase. And then they're, can they do a, you know, a, a back squat, a front squat, a zercher squat, a, you know, a, a bear hug with a sandbag squat. So what we're doing is can they take and change where the load is and maintain those good that good movement that they've that they've begun to develop the positions that the really positions that are, are important and can they and can we do, expand that competency of movement within those six so primal patterns and then we're going to go to what you're saying is can they take those those lessons they've learned in those six primal patterns and use it to, to expand uh, their movement vocabulary and physical literacy so you know how are you getting over the box the box wall. Well, some kids will move seamlessly from the bear crawl into a squat position to hop over up on top of a box and then over. Other kids aren't quite there yet, so they'll move from the box, from the bear crawl to hands on the box, knee on the box, crawl over the box. Other kids, you'll see them move seamlessly from the bear crawl to a, to almost a lunge pattern to leap over the box boxes. Hurdle over the box. Right. So there's this pathway within build of moving from the six primal patterns to applying those lessons within the expansion of physical literacy. Yeah, this this whole subject really is so cool because what we're talking about is kids learning movement in the most organic way, but with guides that can help them do it in a really safe way and also make sure they get all the breadth of experience and expose them to all the types of movement that they're going to see. So that, like, for instance, in the world of jumping, we want them to leap. We want them to learn what a bound is. We want them to learn what a hurdle is. There's lots of types of hurdles. 
Is it a split, is it a lead leg trailing leg hurdle? Is it two legs at once going out simultaneously in the same plane? Is it a, a ski hop, a ski jump, a broad jump, a vertical jump, right? So you can think there's so many of those things and we want to make sure all of it happens. So we, they need us as guides. They need coaches. I'm not trying to say they don't need that, but they also need us to try and create experiences where we step back and we make sure that that building process happens with their uh, involvement and self-reflection and constant development and changing what they're doing to learn themselves. I think that it's a great point. And I think that there's one of the things you can kind of think about is it's a, a graduated co uh, coaching process or from a large hands-on coaching to minimizing the coaching process. So if you think about coaching within the six primal patterns, like the squat pattern, well, there is a wrong way to move. There's a wrong way. It, there's, course, an unsafe, yeah. there's an unsafe, there's, some, there's things that are unsafe. There's not hitting the points of performance. And we need to be hands-on coaches in those things. But as we move into things like this, uh, like this, you take a, that bear crawl box wall, there's no wrong way to get over the box unless it becomes unsafe. And there's no reason for us to interrupt that learning process or that, that process from them learning or taking what they've learned before and applying it to this new situation. There's no reason for us to get our hands involved with that except as a reveal. So, you know, within the six primal patterns, there's large amounts of coaching and correcting and helping them uh, learn how to take what they've learned in, in base and apply it as they expand the, their movements within the movement patterns. And then as they kind of move from that to the unstructured learning of physical literacy, there's less guidance on, on how they should approach the problem and probably some more guidance on the review side of that as we go through. Go yeah, through like I, I'm thinking when we move to boost and we add the speed and complexity of the movements there, mm -hmm. of sort of structured functional movements, then we kind of go back to the necessity of really good coaching there. But the whole idea of still of applying their learning process and making sure they get times to experiment and explore how that movement works for them, it's, it's key. You know, within the, so kind of coming back to like the, the coaching side of this, in the six primal patterns, we have a, the goal. We want to coach the kids, have them learn to, to move safely. We want them to move efficiently and effectively. And, but we, we really have this idea of we want it, this process to also be as errorless as it can be. So let's say we're teaching kids to squat well. We're doing air squats. If we're teaching them to do air squats and we say we want you to do really great, perfect air squats, and then we say I want you to do 100 air squats uh, as fast as you can do it, how many good air squats do we, are we going to get? Are we really going to get what we're trying to accomplish there? And the answer is, we'll probably get two or three good air squats, and then Joey will find out that Johnny's moving faster than him, and everything goes to heck. So we, when we're working on this and focusing on this errorless learning, we want to limit a few things. The first the three that we think about most are volume, intensity, and load. And load is part of intensity, but we mean speed when we're talking about it here. We're talking about intensity, we're talking about speed. And load, we're talking about certainly if a child is learning to move well, giving them a load that, that it challenges them 
is not the place for their learning. So we don't want to challenge them too much with that load. Initially. Initially. We also want to have you know tactics for them to self-correct. So, so if a child, let's say a child uh, is consistently having valgus knees in a, in a squat, for us to stand next to them saying, move your, you know, rotate your femurs out, <laughs> that's probably not something you can say to a seven-year-old. But for us to continue to correct that is, is only correcting on the back of a bad rep. So what we really want to do is have, rather than having a thousand bad reps that we've corrected something in, and we'd rather have a thousand great reps that they've, that they've corrected or, or maintained themselves. So we'll use strategies like using the blocked squat. We'll, block, we'll use blocking. So a kid will, if, if a kid's knees are coming in, we use a block squat to help them understand how to rotate their femurs out. If their knees, let's say, are sliding past their toes in a squat, we'll use something like toes touching, box facing and toes touching box squats. They will, that will allow them, that block will allow them to self-correct themselves. And for the, for the little ones, that block squat sets up also toes pointing ahead, pointing straight ahead, right. feet staying flat and stuck to the ground, hip initiation. So we can do a So there's all kinds of, of stuff that it's, it's just setting up a positive pattern to start with right. so we don't have to go back and fix that. We'd rather do things like set up a, you know, a box-facing squat and limit the range of motion so that we get, within a, within a workout, we get you know, 50 perfect reps than be behind the child correcting them over and over and over again while they're making mistakes over and over and over again. In other words, we're myelinating the good pathways while they're, while they're teaching. Even, even you know, we've got some complaints about why do you limit the range of motion? Well, I'd rather have 100 perfect reps above parallel and move them slowly down with those perfect reps to below parallel than have 100 bad reps that I'm having to correct over and over and over again. Yeah, we have to remember they're developing those pathways. So we definitely want to have it myelinated, as you said, or remembered the way that is going to protect them most from injury and make them stronger. Shout out to uh, David Epstein and his book, Range. There's so much in there about learning and how it applies and broad experience and how it applies. And I recommend that book to anybody who is coaching for sure. I think the idea of from David Epstein, the idea of learning fast and learning slow. You know, one of the things we see with coaches is that they are trying to rush their kids down to the far end to boost. Yep. And I'm snatching next week. Yeah, we don't need to do that. <laughs> but what we, but what the research shows is that kids who learn slow learn better, mm-hmm. and this makes more lasting depression. Oh, uh, so. What we like to tell our, our, our coaches is we want kids to spend the time in base and build to learn and to be proficient in as much as they can be in, the, in these two areas because that will help them maximize their genetic potential when we get to boost. And when we say slow, what we mean is without giving them all the hints and all the answers and just handing it to them and then saying, bam, they did it. Right. Let them figure it out. That's what we mean. Let them figure it out. Yeah, That's part, it part out. of what that blocking and that errorless type learning is. Right. Is let them figure it out 
give them give them ways that they can do it themselves, and then allow that allow this period to be you know a, enough time that they that they become really proficient within the six primal patterns in movements, different movements that they become that they expand their physical literacy uh, greatly, and that will when we get to talking about boost that will maximize their ability to to take advantage of the opportunities that the boost gives them. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. We'll tie this up with the third in the series boost next. Welcome to the Athlete Coach Network, a new connection-based training platform that breaks down regional barriers and connects coaches and athletes anytime, anywhere. You're an athlete and love to push yourself. Who's guiding you? As an athlete, you can filter and search our library to find the perfect coach or sign up for a membership to get video feedback and comments from our coaches all over the world. As a coach, you can set up your profile and advertise your credentials, set your own price for video reviews or direct messaging to ensure your rates reflects the value of your time. Welcome to the Athlete Coach Network and welcome to the future of sports coaching. That was the Youth Fitness Podcast, topics on youth fitness with focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin family, the developers of the Brand X Method and the Athlete Coach Network. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and you listen for more.